podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Yeah, it's it's gone well. We had Jeffrey Boycott on last week and um, how doing a the daily five-hour episode. <laughs> he was actually really good. Actually, yeah, I met I met him I a few times when I was working at Yorkshire, and he came on and but he was in good form. Good. I mean, I I, I miss him on TMS. And, yes. Um, yeah. I'm sure. I don't know whether the other the the, the broadcasters do, but uh, I I just think his his analysis is so so sharp. Yeah. I mean, do you think he's had it, or do you think he's, it's time to move on, or what do you, what do you reckon? I, I, I think he might have had it. I, I wish he hadn't, because I'm, I'm in your camp. I, I, I really like him. I, I think he, he says what he sees, and he doesn't try and sort of sugarcoat anything. If you think somebody's done badly, or think somebody doesn't brilliantly, he, yes. he says it as it is. And I think, I think when, when people take that attitude, if you, if you listen to somebody saying, oh, what a wonderful innings, but they say that about everybody, it kind of dilutes yeah, it a yeah, little bit, yeah. don't you? But when Jeffrey gives compliments, it it matters, isn't it? Sure, no, and he's not in anyone's, not in any camp, in any any, any pocket. Any there doesn't seem to be any, any. He's not representing any other interests. No, <laughs> and as a, as a player, he didn't represent many interests <laughs> apart from himself. Which is, uh, but uh, that was the, that was the great thing about him. He's a great individualist. But, yeah. yeah. One of the questions uh, I mean, with cricketers, I do a sort of twenty questions thing, which kind of frames the interview. Some are silly and some are mm. more serious, but. One is, um, if not a cricketer, what would you have done with your life? One of the early questions. And he, he said, you know, he used to play football, but he, you know, he, he went down the golf route. That he, he reckoned he could have won majors if he'd, uh, if he'd devoted his attention to golf from an early age because it it's more okay. of a selfish sport, isn't it? You can, you can practice on your own. You don't, don't need people yeah. to feed you balls. No, no, that's right. That's, um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. But um, yes, it is. It's an interesting. I mean, that's the thing with sport. You know, what, how much of it is team, and how much of it is is the uh, just the, the the push of the individual. Yeah, I, I think cricket is um, unique in that respect, isn't it? Uh, in many ways, because it's a team game, but you play it very much in in solo roles, don't you? Yes, I mean, I follow baseball actually as well because okay. and uh, and uh, interested in in the in the sort of psycho- psychology of, of of batters and uh, how they can cope with the uh, quarter of a second decisions. That, I mean, like Jeffrey brilliantly um, broke down uh, the the whole process of of, of of working out what to do with the ball after it leaves the hand of the, of the bowler yeah. at ninety miles an hour. The same same intrigues me with baseball as well. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated by the psychology of sport. I think, you know, once you get to a professional level, you are obviously very, very good, aren't you? Yeah, far better than me or you have ever been at cricket and uh, whatever. But the mm. what separates the very best are the ones that can deal with it mentally and uh, and to take their chances at the key times. Well, I never made it um, beyond village. and I never made it to to the club. So maybe my <laughs> psychologically, I couldn't cope with it beyond village. I always think, though, that when you, when you, regardless of what level you've played cricket, you can still transplant yourself into the players you're watching doing it professionally and, and try and understand a little bit ha- what they're feeling at the time because you've been there to some degree mm. I think that's absolutely right I think that's what's great about it. Um, I mean that's, that's great about it. what I adore about watching watching the game is that you're sitting there with people who, who aren't that good but know an awful lot and they know an awful lot partly because they've, they've had some experience of it I mean, my mother used to play at school and, and uh, in the 30s and things and so she adored cricket because she felt 
you know, she 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 understood the game because she 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 played at at the level that she played, and likewise with me with the village. I can I can read the game I think reasonably well from from uh, hundred yards away. Yeah. Um, partly because I've had the very limited experience on rubbish wickets um, that I have that I've had, and uh, so yeah, you can you can I think with with a, with a limited amount of experience sort of get get under the skin of the sport. Moonrise is a sports engagement website to allow sports fans to learn from the very best. Get a personal video message recorded for a fan's special occasion. Have a professional cricketer as your next coach by getting video feedback or having a 30-minute conversation with some of the world's best players. Players such as Jimmy Neesham, Colin Munro, Tammy Beaumont, Danny Wyatt, Monty Panasar. Visit MoonriseSports.com or go to Moonrise Sports on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Moonrise Cricket, let's play. I'll introduce you to the Cricket Badger listeners. Um, Robert Bathurst, actor and cricket fan. Welcome to the Cricket Badger podcast. We've had two famous fans editions before. Um, we had Graham Lambert from the Inspiral Carpets and Neil Foles, the snooker player on the podcast yeah. a few weeks ago and you're the third in line and I I like to think that I get famous fans on that are I have a, a degree of affection for and whenever I've seen you on my screen I've always enjoyed your roles so it's a pleasure to have you on. Oh thanks James, thank you. One of the difficulties with me for doing these famous fans things is I want to I want to um, dive into your career as an actor but the premise of the Cricket Badger podcast is obviously talk about cricket so we'll start with the cricket and yeah. you've obviously hinted at the mm. fact that you, you know your mother loved the game and it, it introduced you to it but what, what was it that made you fall in love with cricket where, where did that start? Well uh, she may have led me towards the uh, the telly when it was on but I think terrestrial t- TV I used to live I used to live in Ireland we used to get the um, uh, used to get the the the, the feed, the uh, you know the scratchy black and white live test match feed, and um, I used to watch it from a very early age. I, I I used to be obsessed by the kit. I remember age five or six watching it and thinking, are the boots attached to the pads? <laughs> thought, how do they? How does this work? What do, what do they? What do they? What do they do? So it's very exciting. When I went to a, a school in in Ireland, which played a lot of cricket, and uh, it was just, it was just great. We used to we used to. Uh, Used to play with these very very heavy compound balls, and uh, I remember I, I in the first over I bowled I, I got a, I got a, an off an off uh, an offy tweaker on and hit the hit the wicket with it, and uh, I thought, wow, oh, this is fantastic! I love it. So yeah, no, I was I was I was obsessed with it. The style of it and the sort of the whole mystery of it was was um, something that struck me from a very early age. I think that's it, isn't it? You, there's so many different levels to cricket and so many different layers to cricket that you can never completely learn the game. There's always something new to discover. Yes, and um, there is, there is, and at every level, yeah, everybody has their own level, and everybody gets equally exercised about being out at whatever level it is. Um, the, the temples throb, the the anxiety holds. The uh, you think well, I've done two good shots now. Where am I going to go with it next? And uh, and you and you, you you get very depressed by your uh, inability, even even at the at the lowest level. So uh, what it must feel like at the test level, goodness knows. Was there a, a cricketer that was in, an inspiration to you? Did you have a poster boy when you were younger, or was it purely with your teammates that you you learnt to love the game? Well, we moved to Essex um, when I was nine. We moved to moved to uh, moved to England, and uh, yeah, but, like, sort of Ray East and um, J.K. Bleaver, and uh, it was in the days of uh, uh, Brian Taylor, the wicketkeeper captain of, of Essex. I used to go down to Loughton Week every 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 um, 
every summer um, that my uh, village, I used to play for Nazing Common and uh, we, we had membership there. So I used to sort of go down on my own and uh, and uh, watch the whole week, week of uh, county cricket then. So yeah, it was, it was just sort of the Essex team of that, of that era as well, uh, my heroes. Were you like me as a kid? Did you have your autograph book and you were chasing them after the game or was it just purely from the stands? I didn't. I remember Stuart Turner at Loughton being being somebody off asked him to <laughs> ask him for an autograph as he was coming out, having <laughs> been having been out cheaply. Uh, and uh, I thought, and he got, he uh, this uh, autograph uh, autograph uh, guy got the rush. But uh, no, I actually autographs. I remember when I was working doing a show in Leeds, and um, after the play, I was talking to somebody who had an autograph book. He was um, an older man, and. Uh, and he showed me an, a, a very old autograph book that he had, and it had Leary Constantine's, oh, wow. uh, the, the West Indian yeah. uh, um, signature in that. And I said, uh, "How did you get that?" And he said, "Oh, wonderful." He said, "He said I, I got that because me and my friend got got Leary Constantine's autograph in return for carrying his bags back from Headingley <laughs> to the station." Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Is that strange to you as a, as a human being that people like me obviously watch you on the TV screen and think we know you a little bit? And we don't really, do we? Because you're, you're playing a character on the screen and don't know you at all, to be honest. Well, quite. I mean, a lot of people for, mistake you for the characters you play. And um, so, uh, and all actors think that they're, they're, they're being completely different. <laughs> and a lot of people say, oh, you must be playing yourself. I mean, the sort of the middle ground is true because obviously you look like your character you're playing. Mm. Um, but there's all sorts of things you, you, um, you employ which, which make you kid yourself that you're not playing yourself and um, I think it's, it's acting is all art is meant to be now so embodied it's meant to be you're meant to be if you're a painter you're meant to be sort of painting about yourself if you're a poet you're meant to be sort of um, dredging up terrible things in your life and uh, if you're a writer you're meant to be writing all about yourself acting is meant to be all about you it isn't it's really you're just as an actor you're just a sort of conduit between the author and the audience so that's the way some people look at it you're best known for your role as David Marsden in Cold Feet how much of him is you because I, mean, I, I think he's a great character because yeah and I think he's evolved a lot over the the course of the the two separate uh, stints of cold feet but how much of you is in that oh uh, well I see I don't know I've never I've never done that much therapy so I don't know what I am really so I don't know I can't, I can't judge I would say that I mean the thing about David is he's he's sort of epically unself-aware I mean he just the audience knows much more about him than he does about himself and he's um and in order to play him, you can't be that unself-aware. Yeah. You have to be aware of what of the of the of the uh, the guilelessness of the of the character. So you have to be completely aware as an actor to play that sort of um, uh, that, that uh, complete sort of detachment and un- un- inability to realise where he's going wrong. Every decision he's ever made has has, has always gone wrong for poor old David. Uh, he does it sometimes for the best reasons, sometimes um, purely um, selfish. And in the, in the early days, he was he was a sort of harsher character, perhaps. In the early days, he was a sort of Thatcherite boo boy um, who was the sort of uh, getting the sort of older forty year old yuppie uh, was how I think he was um, originally drawn. So yeah, I mean, he, the, the word shot of chinks of humanity coming in through through the uh, series as, as the first lot, the first five series we did. Progressed. I've written some notes ahead of uh, ahead of talking to you today, and I've written about David Marsden down here: pompous, well spoken, vulnerable. Once things done properly, often messes up, which is pretty much what you've just said there, really. But I, I think that makes him a very likable character because you're siding with him as as the audience. You're siding with him, but you're watching him go through all of this turmoil. Yeah, and it's, well, the pomposity is is there, um, but. It's a pomposity is often from from a from a position of strength, and I, I think, uh, well, maybe yes, in his own mind, he was he was coming from a position of strength. So uh, I think you can't. You, it's very difficult 
and what's great about the, what Mike, Mike Bullen wrote was that he allowed the characters to develop and do things which were not part, part of their character description from the word go. People do evolve. And he allowed the characters to get older for a start and then um, evolve in terms of character and be dented by their experience and, and all that. So, so how they were at the beginning is, um, is one thing, but they were allowed to develop through the 22 years that we've been doing it. I mean, we uh-huh. started, I think, in 1996. We did the pilot and it came out in 97. So uh, with a gap in, between, in the middle, uh, it's a long old stretch. When you first got together with that cast, because um, I think it's a brilliantly cast program, the, did you sense the chemistry there? Was it automatically you thought, this is going to be good? Well, well the casting was, uh, was crucial because what's good about it, and it's in sort of an underrated quality of casting, is that none of us can play each other's parts. Mm. Um, if you look at the American version, they did, a, I think ABC did, a, or NBC did a, um, a version. They took the first series and um, remade it. And it lasted, I think, about it was a few episodes, and it was got pulled. Is that um, to some extent? It's a very general point, but but uh, to some extent, those the, the the actors were sort of interchangeable in some ways. You could they all sort of stood languorously with their thumbs in their um, belt belt loops, and um, uh, but they didn't didn't seem to have that much distinction. And um, the, the casting of Cold Feet was yeah. We I mean I couldn't play John's part and like and, and Jimmy's and. Uh, the same is true with them. So, yeah, there was a distinction there. And we were all sort of very different or different people, different sort of characters. And uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a disparate group of people, but, but um, sort of shared history, sort of um, brought it, you know, kept us together because, I mean, my character, David, he was sort of the outsider and he was only tolerated because everybody liked uh, the Hermione Norris character, Karen. Um, and so you sort of cope with David. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't normally want to hang around with, but uh, yeah. After years of, of of seeing Karen and David, um, he sort of became sort of part of it, and, and and sort of shared history meant that there was a sort of solidity amongst uh, in the friendship, which in a way is a sort of very real, real way of, of uh, character you know, of how you know, real friendships can form. It had its first run, and then it was it, it stopped, and then obviously, as you say, it came back again. Was it an easy decision for you all to make to to return to the screen and to to reignite those characters? It was a slightly different challenge, isn't it? You're all older, all got different kind of things going on in your lives as older people, so it, it had to still remain relevant, I guess. Yeah, I think it was a it was a, it was a good move. It turned out to be a good move. It wasn't necessarily um, a slam dunk when 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 uh, when it, when we started. There was a lot of people were thinking, "Oh, why 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 challenge the memory of this? Why why try and recreate something when?" Uh, and it wasn't a recreation. It was a development. Mike Bullen felt that there was juice in the characters to to show how they how they were after this thirteen year layoff, and the fact that we hadn't been running uh, since then uh, meant that. We, there was an awful lot of sort of history going on in, in that time, which which will have changed us and and not only age but uh, experience. And uh, it was just it was as though the cameras, as though Cold Feet, the characters, you know, they'd all been existing, but the cameras hadn't been there, and so the cameras sort of drifted into their lives again. And we've done four more years, and the characters have, and the cameras have drifted away again. So maybe in, in five, six, seven years' time, uh, the cameras will come back and see what these characters are doing and how decrepit they've got and um, what, what, what uh, life has thrown at them. So, yeah, there was a, there was a, it turned out that it did, it did work because it was of interest to see how these, how these characters had gone. And we weren't just playing the same old tunes. It was, it was, it was taking into account how, how um, you know, life's passage. I've always enjoyed um, John Thompson in, in pretty much everything he's done. Is he as funny behind the scenes as he is when you see him on the TV screen? 
John is relentless. <laughs> I mean, he's, um, uh, I, I, I once, uh, I don't think he, he liked that very much. I called him the James Dean of comedy and that he's ribbled without a pause. I think he's sort of, he just, he just does, there's nothing you can throw at him that he doesn't riff with. Uh, and he, he will have a, have a, a comment, a, 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 an angle, and of course all the voices that he does. But uh, he's, um, and he's a kind man as well. He's not just sort of endlessly just um, doing sort of stand-up in your presence. Uh, but uh, he's um, a, a, a really genuinely, generally funny and enjoyable person, yeah. Will you get out to India? Have you ever done a, been to an IPL? I haven't, no, and I nearly went this year. I've been out to Abu Dhabi and Barbados and South Africa and covered cricket uh, in those countries, and I, I really wanted to go out to India because I think just as a, a spectacle, because it's so crazed about the game over there it'd be quite special mm-hmm. um, and then mm-hmm. when I saw it, it was going to be in the UAE I've got some contacts over contacts over there and I was trying to get that trip sorted out and it just didn't happen because of Covid and various mm-hmm. other things it just didn't happen and I, th- and I think in retrospect it would have been a slightly strange experience because I think because of, of the bubbles even though even if you're in the same hotel as the players you probably wouldn't be able to get to them to talk to them so it, it oh, might yeah. have been a, a slightly disappointing experience but I'd, I'd love to tick the IPL off at some stage yeah which grounds? I mean, I mean, I'd love to go to Kolkata and, and uh, mm. uh, somewhere like that. And uh, have you got any any grounds on your wish list? My best friend at school, um, Santanu, he he originates from India and he goes over a lot. He said, so I mean, he showed me some pictures of his trips over there and the the landscapes and things in India because you, you you tend to see on TV you see the the cities and the hubbub and the and the people all together. But if you actually go out into mm. the into the wild, some of the, the mm. scenery is just incredible. And you see some extraordinary sights of, I mean, it's, it's all, uh, all the kids playing on the Medan and, and doing mm-hmm. all that. I remember going on a, um, driving on, on, a, on, a, on a high road, looking out over some houses down below and um, seeing in the back garden, he had a, um, a brother and sister playing yeah. um, with uh, just playing, playing cricket in the back garden. And uh, they had a, a small plank, which they were using to the bat. And uh, the ball um, was an, in, an enamel mug, and they, <laughs> which would have uh, turned sharply, I would have thought. And uh, you know, be, but uh, it was just uh, taking anything and just playing, playing cricket. Yeah. And it was just great I, to see. That has a different perspective to hitting the scene, doesn't it? Hit, trying to hit the handle or the work. <laughs> hit the handle exactly. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yes, yeah, so the rotation on that. I, I saw on your, your you you did Wild at Heart, didn't you? It's, Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, because yes. I always think when I when I watch the um, I like Death in Paradise every now and again to watch that, and I always think mm. that must be a great gig as an actor to get a week filming that and go out and, and sit in the sunshine and see a little bit of the uh, of the country you're getting taken to. Is it, is it as good well, as well? Death in Paradise, I, I gather from people who've done it, have said that they always um, they, they they film it off season in and it's incredibly hot and sometimes hurricane. <laughs> All oh, right, okay. Oh, so it's not great. <laughs> so, but uh, the, the, the Wild at Heart was was great. I did. Yeah, I was involved in the seventh series of that. Yeah, we spent. I spent months out in South Africa and uh, on a on this game farm, and uh, I managed to get to see some cricket. I went to went to Pretoria, okay, saw the Aussies yeah. in there, and uh, got to the Wanderers and saw some um, saw some uh, games there, which that, was uh, really exciting. Because you originated from Africa, didn't you? You were born. I was there, in West Africa. I was yeah, in, yeah. in Ghana. Yeah, yeah. There, not too much cricket there, but I was in, only two when I left. And the school I went to in Ireland. And uh, Kells, um, they, um, they, <laughs> Kells, um, the count played county cricket. Uh, Meath, County Meath, played county cricket on uh, on the school pitch in front of the uh, in front of this big house that uh, this school had, yeah. was using. And they only turned up with ten players. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were all. Um, I was eight, I think. And then our sort thirteen year old star player um, was recruited to play county cricket for uh, for, for County Meath and. Uh, 
uh, on the uh, on the school pitch. It was, uh, and it was also the year when uh, when when Ireland beat the West Indies for got them all out for twenty six. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it was they were they were uh, it was uh, West Indies went into bat after lunch, <laughs> and it was held at the Guinness Ground. And so uh, I think there was other factors at play. <laughs> I saw a, an interview you did in the Cricketer magazine where you talked a lot about spin. You already hinted at the fact that you got a wicket with your off breaks and that, that inspired you <laughs> to uh, go on to greatness in cricket. Never maybe quite happened, but uh, you, you, you've got, you're a sucker for a spin bowler, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I wasn't told till I was 16 and I, I did. I naturally just had a sort of an off spinner, which... Um, which worked okay, uh, and I could, um, could uh, being I'd never, uh, yeah, I could sort of try and fly. I mean, the more I played, the, the, the it was um, uh, used to used to develop that. I never got a good leggy. I just, yeah, I just tried, and of course, I I just loved loved it when um, when when spinners started taking over tests and uh, having having grown up with with four quicks, five quicks, just just blasting blasting us out um and then to see sort of warn and, and everybody just to just to to dominate a test with with spin bowling was was just it, it just increased the sort of interest in the in the in the in the sport it was uh, and the contest as a member of the spin bowling union <laughs> <laughs> uh i uh, i i love that um so yeah i mean john gleason and people like that uh, and uh, jack simmons it was you push it through a bit but um it was still a great spinner, I think, and Underwood, who again would, was um, pretty pretty sharp, but um, would, was uh, on a on a sticky dog. He was unbeatable, uh, and uh, he could turn it sideways. A lot of my younger cricket I watched down at Canterbury when Derek Underwood was uh, coming towards the end. Um, to be honest, but he he was just in, in, incredible to watch because I, I could never work out with Derek Underwood whether he was a medium pace bowler or a spinner because he came off about ten yards mm. and uh, and rolled his own yeah. arm over quite quickly. But that combination of Knot and Underwood was was special. Oh, I agree absolutely. I you know I adore Alan Knot, and uh, but uh, yeah, and Underwood's had a sort of lovely sort of floaty floaty approach and and uh and and it's surprisingly quick of course i mean there's a you can see and i and alan not alan not was as i mean his longevity was incredible i can't remember how, how many years he he did but um uh and the ball used to just sort of kiss into the gloves it was just mm. uh and endlessly doing his stretches and, and keeping him going and uh, uh you know i said I, I love that combination of not and it goes back to what we were talking about at the start doesn't it about the the individual roles within the cricket team the wicket keeper is such a specialized role and if you do it well it's fantastic to watch isn't it not russell etc i remember seeing bob taylor once at, at mm. leighton i was i was, had my binoculars on at fine leg and he he did a he did a he was standing up to a quick uh, i can't remember who it was he he I remember this in slow motion. I mean, it happened in the in a blinking. But uh, and he took the ball down the leg side, which I was I'm always astounded how keepers can um, with instinct follow a ball uh, after after they've lost sight of it. And um, he took the ball uh, down the leg with his with his feet off the ground. So it was it was a, it leapt up and he stumped the guy before before his feet had touched the, before Taylor's feet had touched the ground. It was the most beautiful piece of piece of work, which uh, I, I was so so glad I had uh, I was looking at close up. But yes, I think to, to see a, see a good keeper and uh, several at the moment. I mean, the, 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 when when people say that was a half half chance, and when when the keeper has done so well to <laughs> leap down the leg side for a, for a, um, a tickle that's gone down the leg and they've just missed it, they've they've sort of leapt about five yards in order to get it. Uh, I don't think you've ever seen Godfrey Evans do that. 
And uh, so it's uh, you know there's there's sort of some it's a fantastic skills. I used to I was a slip fielder, so I used to um, love love uh, working with really good keepers. How how often do you get to watch cricket these days? Do you get to many games? Well, I I don't see it much on television. I don't have the channel, but um, and I'm I'm really I'm I'm test is is what I I, I was. I, I go to. I don't. I'm not a great one day one day fan. I don't remember that many one day games. Uh, you get ex- sort of excited in the moment, but I remember sort of tests more. Um, so I don't. No, I don't watch it. I listen to it. I mean, I, I love I love the uh, the radio coverage of it. And I would like to see more county games. I mean, I, I can I can imagine myself uh, in a deck chair at Hove um, uh, and seeing out my time there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Long into the future. There's, there's um, worse ways to go. I think there's worse ways to go. No, exactly, sitting at home watching no, cricket. Quite. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I love I love the the whole experience of sitting in a in a in a, in a cricket ground. What I what I hate is when people are just talking and not walking, looking at the game, and that happens too much at Lords. And when people are just yakking, and uh, but the, but I I like I like it when you when people are are watching the game at forty five degrees. You know, you're talking. Yeah. But everybody instinctively is is aware of every beat of the of the game and every moment of the game, and everybody's absolutely on it whenever anything happens. But you can still be chatting away. But it's 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 sort of sideways, slightly sideways chat. But uh, the main focus is is on the match. What you said uh, a few minutes ago about um, remembering Test matches and not remembering one day is really strikes a chord with me. I've said that before on this podcast. The example I always give is the 2005 summer when England won the Ashes, and you can pretty much remember every single moment of every single Test match through that five Test match series. But ask, ask mm-hmm. somebody to recount the one day series that uh, was part of the same summer. Not very many people would even remember the result of that. I think that says a lot. Um, about what Test cricket can give you—the five days, the ups and downs, the excitement, and the narrative through a summer of a, a long series—I think is very special. I'm very happy. I mean, people, people, some people can't understand this, but I would very happily sit for all five days if I had the time to to, to watch every every beat of a. And I and I really hope that five days stays. I, mean, I know there's this pressure um, for, for to, to reduce it for four days, but the matches we had this year. With, with rain interruptions and other things that the, 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 the fourth day would have had a very different tone if we'd been uh, having to finish on that fourth day. And it just meant that, that they, they, could, they could do those old-fashioned, grind them out, massively concentrated, beautifully concentrated uh, innings, which then um, develop and they can get the big score with it. And uh, and psychologically, to be able to hold on to, a, to a, an innings like that and for that length of time, um, and it's completely absorbing. It's not the big bash, but it, it is much more exciting and much deeper and much more uh, interesting to interesting to watch and completely absorbing for those who like it. Of course, <laughs> for people who just want a big bash, then it's it's as dull as ditch water. But have to accept that. But uh, no, if if it's going to be a test, it's a, a five day test. Is just gives gives the the, the players the time to. Uh, and there's wonderful, there's great big moments that, that change and, and how things can develop. And we've seen some extraordinary turnarounds, of course. It does need, does need that five days to, to really give, give the game a chance to breathe. Robert Bathurst, I feel like I'm interviewing myself. You're saying everything that I would say. Um, I, 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 I love five-day cricket. I think it's fantastic. I, I do like white ball, though, as well. I, I love watching the IPL. I like watching a few of the T20 Blast games as well during the summer. But as you say, I mean, it's it's a little bit more disposable, that kind of entertainment, isn't it? Whereas a test match, I think, really does stick with you. I, I always, I mean, to get back into your turf, I always uh, equate them to a, a five-day test match being a feature film. 
the Godfather, Shawshank Redemption or something really, really special. Whereas a, a T20 is more like a, a 30 second advert. You can get very good adverts that you, you talk about after you've seen them, but they're throwaway, aren't they? I, I think that that's quite a, a nice way, a kind of analogy, the way of looking at them. A, a really good test match is like the Godfather, is like the Shawshank Redemption. It stays with you and you want to watch them again. I think that's a that's a good analogy. I, I mean, one can't deny the market. The market is for the for the for the for the quicker stuff. But uh, and you just you just hope. And I, I mean, of course, I'm over the hill as far as uh, you know. I, I'm, not, I'm not the market that they're going to go. They're going for. But I yes, I I, mean, I agree with you. I mean, I just would. I just hope that with the um, with the advancements in the game and 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 the, and the, what the tests have learned from the one day game um, is that is that. I mean that extraordinary one against Australia just recently when uh, when Matthews was it I'm sorry with me think of the guy anyway he who who brought who who was raised the last two in and he built a, a brilliant innings in sort of test match style and then then went for it in one day style and so the the, the two styles can combine in 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 test um, and uh, the test does owe an awful lot to 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 the one day game and in uh, in being able to bring off victories like that. Um, that was the Glenn Maxwell, Alex Carey stand, wasn't Glenn it? Glenn Maxwell, yeah, rather, yeah, not Matthews. Yeah. Glenn Maxwell, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just thought, no, surely he can't do this, and uh, he just built it, and he just built it, and he got sort of five, you know, few and over, just to kept it, kept it going, and uh, then uh, left him in a position where he could just open up. That that is one of the benefits of the white ball stuff, though, isn't it? That the, the some of the things they learn in one day cricket have made Test match cricket a little bit more exciting at times. We'd we'd never have seen the Ben Stokes heroics at Headingley without one-day cricket, would we? No, that's absolutely right. No, no, we have to have to acknowledge that. I mean, it's easy to be, a, um, uh, yeah, to be a stick in the mud and say uh, say everything about the one-day game is, is awful. It isn't, of course, it isn't. And it's, it's really exciting in the moment, you know, whether you remember it or not. I must say the the, the, the new shots in the in the one-day game it just makes made, made Gully a very dangerous position. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. suddenly find yourself. <laughs> I'm in, uh, on the leg side, and you think, crikey, I, you know, I don't know what it'd be like to uh, see someone switching and uh, and aiming in your direction. I don't know about you, but I when when I was playing club cricket, I I could hit a ball, but I wasn't exceptional at batting by any means. And when I saw the first dill scoop and somebody's down on one knee, flicking it over their own head, almost parting their hair with the ball as they flick it over the wicketkeeper, mm. I thought, yeah. Mm. It's an achievement for me to get bat on ball, let alone try something like that. Some of the shots are actually, they look quite dangerous, don't they? Well, I'm sure they are. And you just, um, when they go wrong, they go very wrong. I mean, I suppose you wouldn't do those sort of shots if you didn't have a helmet. But um, it's uh, it just means that the, that, um, the wagon wheel is extended full 360, really. And now you've, you've um, you know, long stop is a catching position, whereas it used to be just... <laughs> Your long stop was just a crucial, a crucial, crucial uh, because you had a rubbish keeper, so uh, you yeah. had to you had to save runs that way. Yeah, I used to in have my that. Standard. Yeah, we used to have that at school. <laughs> I've seen a long stop in Test for a while. Anyway. No, no, no. I mean, th- th- that's the other thing about um, one day cricket and the the way cricket has evolved over the the last sort of thirty forty years. Really, is the the standard of fielding is just ridiculously good these days compared to yeah, go back to the seventies and eighties. They trot after the ball and give up on it halfway, whereas now they fling themselves around and they, they batsmen have to really earn the runs these days, don't they? Yeah, it worries me sometimes they fling themselves even on on get on balls which they are obviously going for four. And I know they, they play margins, which means that when they do really, really go at it, they, they have a percentage chance of, of getting it. But there are times when, when, when that percentage has gone and, and they still fling themselves into into the rope over the hoarding you know and and yeah i just think there's a danger of sometimes some of these people doing a bit too much damage 
don't know how many falls they can take. They, but they, they, they have to know how to fall really well. But then in, I mean, I don't play anymore because that, uh, you know, the expectation to be running to the boundary and do a sliding stop. <laughs> <laughs> and it's lost all its dignity now. So, um, but, uh, the, the, um, no, the athleticism is, is, is fantastic. It's, it's glorious. And, uh, and the throwing and the, the picking up and, and throwing is, um, is, is brilliant. So uh, it just does worry me sometimes that uh, they, they're in danger of doing themselves in when they, um, when they do. And they have to be seen to be trying so hard. Of course you do. And, and you want to you know, tell the bowler you're doing your best. But uh, I think there's a danger of doing yourself an injury whilst you're um, you know, showboating that and um, chasing balls, which you'll never get. I mean, it used to be, of course, you know, there used to, you know, people used to stop it with their foot and then bend down and pick it up. <laughs> And throw it in, yeah. So no, they're, they're all they're all really sharp now. A good example of that was uh, one of the IPL games the other day. Shimron Hetmeyer was, I think, mid wicket, and the ball was hit well past him, and he just trotted it and kind of almost ran over the ball. And these, all the rest of the fielders were glaring at him. Why didn't you put in a dive and everything? And uh, yeah, mm. that 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 is where we've got to really, isn't it? Everybody's expected to fling themselves around regardless. And uh, yeah, I remember Gower Gower getting a um, um, getting a um, a, a, a fertilizer graze on his arm, which made it inflate, and, and he sort of flung himself to something, and that I don't know if it, uh, that put him off flinging himself. But uh, um, it's they can do yourself damage, and uh, they they have to they have to be as good at falling as a as a rugby player. The, the Gowers and the the Randalls that uh, were around in the in the seventies eighties, the they wouldn't stand out these days, would they? They you know they would be part of a, a number of fielders of the same kind of caliber at the time they were they were incredible i think uh, gower and randall would stand out in any team i just read um uh, Derek pringle's book pushing the boundaries mm. which was magnificent i mean i don't know if you've seen it it's a fantastically funny anecdote on every single page i just roared with laughter all the way through it and his description of uh, of, of gower and uh the, the things that he got to and, and Randall and his, his quirks, but certainly the, those sort of characters, um, I'm sure they do they do exist. And uh, but uh, they were you know, great individualists and, and uh, must have been frustrating for at times for, for, for players. But um, so you know, no, I think uh, I mean Gar and uh, Randall, you'd want them in any in any of your teams. Podcast Network.